It is the year 2016. We come to you from a bunker where we are being hunted. And it is the worst of all possible worlds. It's a world where James Cameron only makes Avatar sequels. Dun dun dun. And that's actually a true story, unfortunately. Oh, I wish it wasn't. And the man who has made some of the best sequels of all time is going to be making nothing but sequels for the rest of his damn life at this rate. Oh, God. I I can't even muster any, any sort of clever quip about that. It just kind of depresses me right off the bat. There's a lot of shit talking we can do on James Cameron. But the, the, the thing is, he made Aliens. He, he made... T2, Judgment Day. I mean, True Lies, I, I can get behind True Lies. True Lies is not a sequel. I think we were talking more about like the... I know, just talking about his films in general. Apparently he's a huge asshole to deal with, but, you know. I mean, pe- cast members on movies that he's worked on have t-shirts printed up that say, I survived blank movie directed by James Cameron. He's a guy who will keep a nail gun on set in the event that your phone goes off. It gets nailed to the wall. I've never heard this, but I totally believe it. Yeah, it's a true story. Yeah. James Cameron, uh, hard-ass for sure. Uh, how he convinced five women to marry him, I will never know. It's, it's a mystery, but the man occasionally makes a fine movie. Especially if we go back to the beginning of his career. This was his first big budget. I can't say big budget. Uh, his first studio picture? His first big hit. For sure. How about that? I like it. And he really didn't do anything else before this, which really makes me question how the heck this got greenlit. But you know what? We're glad it did. What are we watching tonight? Tonight we watch 1984's The Terminator. Synth. (laughs) Orchestra hit. Orchestra hit. And... Cue the music. I like it. I like it a That's lot. That's we like to start that up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Out of Sync Podcast. I am Steve Shannon. I'm Jonathan LaDuke. And I'm Dave Choate. Ooh, Dave's back. Dave's back. I think, is is Dave our first uh, repeat? Dave is our first repeat. Phenomenal. Yes. I think we actually have two repeats tonight. We got Dave on the mic, and we got Arnold Schwarzenegger as a leading man again. Our second Arnold movie. I Actually, he was the first build in this, correct? I believe he was. Okay, because he is the title character for sure in The Terminator. Uh, but I, I guess technically, would would you put Kyle or Sarah as the as like the main character? The protagonist, by all accounts, should be Sarah Connor. She's the one that goes through any sort of journey in the film. The Terminator clearly does not. He is a machine. He starts as a killing machine. He ends as a killing machine. So even though Sarah is the protagonist, but then Kyle could still be the hero. Yeah, let's do that. Agree. Let's put it that way. I like it. Because tonight we watched 1984's The Terminator. A movie that I am shocked got greenlit by all accounts. You look at this, and I mean, yeah, they didn't need a huge budget for it, but they got some big names as far as special effects and a big name star for a director who was really untested at this point. Yeah, not really done much other than a few Roger Corman films. I'm, we're talking about James Cameron, who... 
is a household name at this point somehow, some way. Somehow has made two of the highest grossing films in the entire world. So Titanic for a while was like the box office uh, king, uh, highest grossing movie of all time. And then it was eclipsed only by Avatar. Yeah, as long as you James Cameron don't movie. take into account um, money, money, the value change. Blah, blah. Inflation? As long as you don't take into account inflation. Yeah, we've had a few tonight. Uh, <laughs> but James Cameron actually leads me into what I was drinking tonight. What did you drink tonight, Steve? I drank an arrogant bastard ale. Because people who know uh, kind of the way that James Cameron operates behind the scenes would describe him almost certainly as an arrogant bastard. True or false? True. I would say true. Yeah. Um, I'm sure all five of his uh, ex-wives would agree. <laughs> Dave, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a Moat Mountain Iron Mike, except more than one, because both the iron works for me because of the Terminator, and also there's a great line early in the movie, a very 80s line, where someone says to the Terminator, is this guy a, a couple beers short of a six-pack, and so I got a four-pack. Uh, oh, okay. Um, also, I have to point out... Uh, was it Mike was Ginger's boyfriend in this movie? That was a happy accident. I was oh, glad. man. Yeah. Mike was a badass. He was. He was the I only guy. I forgot how much of a badass Mike was in this movie. He came right after Arnold freaking Schwarzenegger. Whether or not you knew he was a machine or not, Arnold Schwarzenegger is still a large individual. And Mike just, you know, he tried to tee off on him. And in a pair of, like, Speedos, too, which really makes that even I, better. Those are uh, tidy whities tidy whities Yeah, I, I mean, he, he was doing they, the no-pants dance earlier. Details. They, details. They were... They were definitely underwear, but they were small. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it was the mo- it was actually a refreshing change of pace considering the first two scenes in this movie. John, what are you drinking tonight? Well, I went very literal, and I started off the night with the Planet Hollywood cocktail known as the Terminator, which was, if I recall, vodka, gin, white rum, Kahlua. Uh, Grand Marnier, sweet and sour mix, cranberry juice, and then topped off with a splash of beer. How was it? I didn't try any of that. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. It was actually one of those, ooh, I just turned 21 and I want to get really drunk kind of drinks. Happy birthday. I wish it was my birthday because that's kind of what it felt like. Maybe- Very- Brought me back a very, little bit. Very appropriate that that came off the Planet Hollywood menu because at one point in his life, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a shareholder in uh, Planet Hollywood. Though he did back off as soon as it became very clear they were not financially solvent. I thought they were doing okay. They've declared bankruptcy multiple times. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> uh, beer note. Before we get into the movie, uh, for those of us who listen uh, only to hear about what we're drinking, Arrogant Bastard is brewed by Arrogant Bastard Brewing Company. This is a change in uh, recent months. Uh, because for a long time, these it was uh, brewed by Stone Brewing Company. And I know I've said this before, I friggin' love Stone Brewing Company. Been out to visit uh, their facilities a few times. If you ever get a chance, I recommend it. It is uh, gorgeous, uh, their campus. But apparently they spun off Arrogant Bastard into its own brewing company. That is very interesting. I have not had a chance to research why or their reasoning. I would hope that it's still the same owners. They just needed it to, uh, for tax purposes to create its own uh, entity. Or perhaps it is, in fact, owned by James Cameron now. Oh. It's a perfect circle. I should state that I did have a chaser to my Terminator, and that was a victory moving parts. <laughs> 
That's weak, man. That's weak. Uh, actually, you know, I That's like that. That's why it was a backup, and it was a chaser, and it was not my main dream. Moving parts, because The Terminator, of course, a movie about a machine that is trying to kill Linda Hamilton. And because the label has a big gear on it. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's all I got. So, the whole machine skeleton uh, running around, the robotic skeleton coming to get you, coming to kill you. It's a pretty good uh, sounding horror movie, isn't it? Yeah, and by all accounts, it woke James Cameron up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. Like I only imagine actually really happens in movies. He just bolted up to 90 degrees. Said, I have a great idea for a movie. Metal Skeleton. Linda Hamilton. Um, That chick from Children of the Corn. Perfect. (laughs) I've got it. He, in my, my knowledge, he set out to make a horror movie about a killing machine. And it just turned into probably one of the great action flicks of the 80s. It's, it's in many ways, it's a tech thriller slash action flick. So let's back up a little bit and just say, for those of you who have not watched The Terminator in a while, but have maybe watched T2 Judgment Day more recently, they're very different films. One is a giant 90s blockbuster and it probably defines the 90s blockbuster and the other is a small budget 80s dare i say it b movie that handles um the uh self-fulfilling prophecy the closed loop time travel the uh grandfather paradox really well you could say that every terminator film has a completely different competing theory of time travel and i would say only the first one is self-consistent i'd say that is is probably fair yeah all right getting into the terminator the terminator starts off in a way that i am actually really happy that they did they they start you off in the year 2029 los angeles it's 2029 it's only to read a screen of text but i'm really happy that they set up right in the beginning this is what we're dealing with the iconic image of tank treads crushing human skulls oh and of course the the laser flash of the the plasma rifle 40 uh, megahertz were those phased plasma rifles in the 40 megahertz range uh that purple laser that uh, we had a lot of discussion on more than we should have tonight uh but that's we just get a glimpse of the future to give us a sense of what's going on here before flashing back to 1984 los angeles we're gonna assume that you've probably seen The Terminator. At some point in your life, you've seen it. Maybe you haven't seen it in a while, but you've probably seen it. We've all seen it. Several times. Several times. Mm-hmm. We did talk a lot during this movie, maybe more than we normally talk. Which is too bad, because we had two people in the room who hadn't seen it as much. At least one who hadn't seen it as much. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, she was the one who's keeping track of all of Arnold's lines, which luckily... There aren't a lot of, so she didn't miss much. This is uh, kind of one of the the funnier quips or kind of one of the funnier behind-the-scenes stories about the Terminator. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't think his role, I guess, was maybe as big, and he said, oh, I don't have that many lines. It's just a low-budget flick. He was on the record as saying, oh, I'm just, I just got to do this little shit movie. Uh, in between Conan movies. He was being interviewed on the set of another film, and they had some shoes on set, and they asked him, the reporter says, oh, what are those shoes for? And he said, 
It's just some other little shit movie that I'm doing. <laughs> by that, by the way, that movie's The Terminator. And another fun fact about this movie, uh, James Cameron kind of worked on it uh, while he's waiting for a treatment that he got, was uh, offered to work on, while he was waiting for that movie to get greenlit. That movie ended up being Aliens. Man had a pretty solid run in the 80s and early 90s. And this is kind of like this little in-between movie for both he and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it ended up being the freaking Terminator, which is iconic. This is a movie that no one believed in. James Cameron's agent told him to drop it. So he fired his agent and represented himself. Which was a great career move, by the way. Worked out for him. Sold the rights to it to Gail Ann Hurd for $1. That's because she was going to help him get that thing made. Yeah. Entrances. So this is a time travel movie. It starts off with our two time travelers, the Terminator, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, the 800-101 series, and Kyle Reese coming back. And we cannot be clearer right off the bat who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Arnold Schwarzenegger appears in all of his glory. Uh, walks right up to a couple of uh, very 80s uh, L.A. punks. And Bill Paxton alert. Also the guy who played the bounty hunter in X-Files alert. I don't know who the third guy is. I recognize two out of three punks. That's pretty good. Uh, Bill Paxton, if you are glimpsing and you're trying to figure out which one's Bill Paxton, he's the one with the tire tread on his face. And the giant blue spiky hair. And the really poorly done gap tooth with the black makeup on his teeth. Yeah, that's Bill Paxton, folks. Game over, man. Game over. Oh, wait, why do we get to Connor Reeves all of a sudden? So the Terminator shows up. Nice night for a walk, eh? <laughs> nice night for a walk. Wash day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right? <laughs> Nothing clean, right? Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six pack. You're close. Give them to me now. Fuck you, asshole. And he just, you know, just kills these three punks. Takes their clothes. Steals their clothes. And you're like, oh, man, that's got to be the bad guy. He actually only kills two dudes. The other dude willfully gives them his clothes. Okay. But then Kyle Reese also drops in the future. And, well, this has got to be the good guy, right? Because what does he do? Well, he shows up. Well, and then he also steals a guy's clothes. He doesn't there's kill some, him, but he steals a homeless guy's pants. There's some uh, amorality clearly established with the Kyle Reese character. From his perspective, all of these people are already dead. Oh, that's true. Do we want to talk about this or do we want to talk about it later? We'll move on. We'll talk about it later. Moving on in the plot, both of these guys' mission is to find Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor, come with me if you want to live. I sh why did I do that as an Arnold? I don't know. That's the wrong movie. It was he, he, he had you got to do the bean teeth. Bean teeth. I can't do it. Come with me if you want to live. live. You got to talk through your teeth. That is the Michael Bean move. You just got to really grit and get right through your teeth. Come with me if you want to live. That's pretty good. This actually leads to the only kind of like questionable plot move in this whole movie. A movie that is otherwise rock solid. Uh, Kyle Reese takes a page out of the phone book the same way that the Terminator takes a page out of the phone book. And my question is, why did he need that page out of the phone book? It, because he was following her at a bar that no one else would have known she was at later, clearly he knew where she was going to be that night and didn't need that page out of the phone book. See, my theory is that he knows how the Terminator, Terminator operates, so he's just trying to get 
a list. So he knows which one is Sarah Connor. He wants to know how much time he has based on the order in the phone book that they're getting killed. Oh, so that's why he took that nap. It's a little bit of a stretch. I was going to give Kyrie so much shit for taking a goddamn nap when he's trying to find Sarah Connor. We get that future flash time forward. Time travel is so tiring. Have you ever time traveled? Come on. I hear there's white and a lot of pain. Did I get that right? I think so. We, we were talking through that, but I remember it clearly from when I watched this movie earlier. Terminator tracks down Sarah Connor. Kyle Reese has already been following her. Gunfight number one of like 50 in this movie. Ooh, are we talking about the tech noir? The tech noir. And the this, magic shotgun. And the magic shotgun. This is already after the Terminator has killed two Sarah Connors. Yep. Sarah Connor. Yes. <laughs> And Sarah Connor, uh, played by Linda Hamilton, is on her game. So the cops are also on their game because the cops realize that they have some sort of killer who has a theme going on. That theme being, let's kill all the Sarah Connors in L.A. So they realize, well, we can't get to all these Sarah Connors. Let's use the media and get the word out. And it works. And Sarah Connor sees it, immediately knows that she should try and contact the police. Ducks into Tech Noir. Tech Noir. With the $4.50 cover. Who charges an odd dollar amount for a cover charge? What a pain in the ass. They deserve to be shot up by the Terminator. Yeah, $4.50 in 1984, that's like a that's like a $400 cover. I'm not good at math. <laughs> not an economics major. No. None of us were. That's uh, pro- that, but that, seriously, that's like a $20 cover, like a... Ten twenty dollar cover I mean, easily. Tech Noir was like pretty fucking cool though. Did it you was see pretty that cool. The cop knew it. The cop did know it. Yeah, she calls the police and she's like, "Can you tell me where you are?" I'm in this bar called Tech Noir. And Paul Winfield's like, "Oh yeah, I know it." <laughs> and it's he very... did not say that like he did not say it like, "Oh yeah, we have trouble with that place all the time." He said it more like, "Yeah, you are. All right." <laughs> it's very comfortable. It's very cool. Oh, we're going to get into how comfortable things are later on in this movie. Cops, they're right on their game. They're sending a cop over to just pick her up. Just but say, they're stay a little put. slow. They're they a little slow. Because the Terminator's already there. Kyle Reese is already there. Terminator does not pay the cover, which clearly Kyle Reese paid the cover because he had no trouble getting in, even though I don't think he's wearing a shirt. That homeless guy had exactly $4.50 in his <laughs> pants. Kyle Reese and his magic shotgun blow the Terminator a few feet across the room, uh, which is something that we had to talk about a lot later on because uh, when the cops try and shoot up the Terminator, it's like you know, just shooting at a steel wall. Also, he manages to hit no innocent bystanders oh. while firing a 12-gauge shotgun into assume, a crowded dance floor. We assume. Again, Kyle Reese kind of amoral. Like I said, as far as he's concerned, all these people are already dead. But because it's a magic shotgun, it's very believable. It knocks the Terminator through a window, and we get the classic line, Come, Come with me if you want to live. live. Right through the B&T. And that sets up our kind of first chase. It starts off as a foot chase, ends up in a car chase. Uh, with, Dave, what you described as a soundtrack, that would be well-suited for an NES game. And, and maybe not even good enough for one. It was. It took me out of the movie briefly. 
Honestly. Would it be briefly? They, this thing kept popped up like three or four times. That might have been the worst instance. Uh, yeah, it was. It was like 8-bit sound in the middle of this otherwise very good-looking movie. Very good-looking, but low-budget. I mean, for its budget, it's amazing-looking. And that's what you can get away with when you shoot completely in the dark. Yes. So Kyle Reese is now uh, met up with uh, Sarah Connor, and he there's a lot of exposition in this movie, and it's okay. I'm going to say that now. Typically, I would bitch and complain and moan about exposition, but they do it two or three times in this movie where they kind of stop all of the action and talk about things that are going on in the future. Yeah, there's a couple. One is him explaining the future to Sarah Connor. Um, there's at least two of those. There's another where he's explaining the future to a police psychiatrist. Which has the best hand wave away of, we're not going to explain any of this future technology. And I, I wrote down the line, it was, I don't know tech stuff. I don't know how it works. You go naked. Something about the field generated by a living organism. Nothing dead will go. I didn't build the fucking thing. I didn't build it. Uh, the third one is uh, Kyle Reese and uh, Sarah Connor hanging out in a motel talking about baby John Connor. And then they, uh, then they make a baby John Connor. Oh, we're going to get into that, though. Sarah Connor's uh, trapped in a police station at this point, uh, but she feels very comfortable. Very comfortable. Well, it may not look it, but that couch is very comfortable. And this jacket? Very comfortable. My handgun? Oh, it is very comfortable. This entire police station, and indeed this planet, very comfortable. Uh, this is all lines, uh, not all lines. We have this like one line, one and we line. spun <laughs> off. We spun off a lot of different. Uh, Today we zeroed in on Paul Winfield's very comfortable just, line. Just very, very comfortable. Uh, and that was our. <laughs> I, I almost want to call it our. What we used to keep us entertained through this movie. Just talking about how comfortable certain things might be. I mean, you don't be. need it, but when you've seen a movie dozens of times easily, especially between all three of us, you pick up on little things. Yeah. And they make you very, very comfortable. comfortable. Uh, and this is uh, where we get a little more exposition about the future and the way that the time travel works. And again, it's a pause in the action, but it works really well. If you're going to do it, do it at this point in the film and do it in a way that you feel like you're not talking to the audience. Like you're talking to characters who need to be told what's going on. In this case, they're telling it to a psychiatrist who ha serves actually no other point in this movie. So he practically is talking to the audience, but then they make up for it in the later two films by bringing the psychiatrist back. Is he the only actor besides Arnold, that's in all three of the first films? Yeah. Yeah, so. no. That, yeah. Easy. Ginger wasn't in the other two, that's for oh, sure. And that's a loss. R.I.P. Ginger. Oh, poor Ginger. Your frizzy hair We didn't say this, but uh, Ginger happened to be home when the Terminator was looking for Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor's roommate, Ginger, who has the biggest 80s hair I think I've ever seen. This, there's a lot of 80s going on in this movie. Including the iguana. Oh, that poor iguana. Which... We're pretty sure the iguana survived this movie, though, because it made an appearance in uh, Port of Call, New Orleans. Which you should go watch. 
Hopefully you have at this Dave's point. Which is other film, which as Dave pointed out, he's only so far been on films that have iguanas. Which puts a lot of pressure on these guys to select more iguana-themed films. Yeah. Here's the thing. you Challenge accepted. <laughs> challenge accepted. Does it have to be iguanas specifically, or can it be other large lizards? I, I will settle for other large lizards, but we, we can't go to dinosaurs. I okay. feel like that's too cliche. So if I decide Komodo dragons, we could watch, you know, Track of the Moon Beast or Any Skyfall. Gods. I, I would Jeez. watch Track of the Moon Beast once more. Once more, but no more. <laughs> In this police station, getting back to our synopsis, we get our other super memorable line from the Terminator. Arnold Schwarzenegger, who at this point has only said about 40 words in this movie, comes barreling in looking for Sarah Connor. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I heard she was here. Can I see her? Yes, that's totally the line I'm talking about. That is yep. absolutely the... That is the, the iconic line, and that is the line that has been in every Terminator movie since. And we will move on from there. And then he says some other shit about how he'll be back, or he, yeah, how I will be back, they, or they tell him They tell him he can wait, and he just says, you I know what? I will be back later. I'll return at a different juncture. Yeah. That juncture being when about... When it is more convenient for you as the police officer. Uh, that juncture being about 10 seconds in uh, the future here, where he smashes the car he's been driving through the police station. I love that if you've never seen the film before, you have no idea what he's doing in that scene. But he sits there, and he looks around, and he judges the structural integrity of the police station wall before he says, I'll be back. And so he can drive through it. It's kind of funny, because it, it's, it seems at first he's... Uh, gonna you know do this as like a stealth mission, as a as a tactical mission, and then you remember no, he's just a giant murder machine. Because they're infiltration units, they're supposed to be stealthy. They're supposed to sneak into underground bunkers, be all tactical. But that goes out the window pretty quickly. No, he just no, well, I can I can barrel through. Which the story. brings up the interesting thought of the reason why ja one of the reasons why James Cameron did not want to initially cast Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, in any role, but Initially, he was floated to play Kyle Reese, which James Cameron <laughs> didn't like the idea of because that meant he had to find a Terminator who was bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Which would be impossible. Which would probably be impossible. But then the idea of, oh, maybe he should be the Terminator, but the idea of the Terminator is that he's supposed to look like a normal person who can slip in and out of uh, normal society. You're going to know him as Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's 6'2" and more muscle than the entirety of Brussels? I don't know. <laughs> I think the <laughs> that... phrase you're looking for is built like a brick shit house. Built like a brick shit house. How about house. this? More muscle than the entire cast of Glee. That is accurate. I have more muscle than the entire cast of Glee. <laughs> That's why I went with it. Uh, Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese have to escape this police station and this giant massacre which actually does make a reappearance in Terminator 2. They were very good about continuity, uh, with the exception of time travel rules in Terminator 2. Yes, all of the surveillance footage that they have of the Terminator in Terminator 2 is from Terminator 1 of the night that he shoots up the police station. And then kind of the way Sarah Connor is uh, as a character and the way that she builds, very consistent uh, through those uh, first two movies. Um, and you can kind of see her getting more and more used to the action and the violence and kind of the insanity of this world around her as this movie progresses you can definitely see her building into this uh 
this hero that Kyle Reese believes her to be as this movie it goes through. Uh, we haven't even explained to this at this point. This is, has already come up. The reason why Sarah Connor needs to die. Her future unborn son, John Connor, is the savior of the human race in 2029. They have already defeated Skynet, essentially. Their defense screen is down. The humans are storming Skynet. The war is won. Yeah, they're, yeah, the they're war is, win. The war is over. At least it's past the tipping point to the point where Skynet realizes... I need a plan C. I need a plan B, C, and D. Which Terminator 2 is an interesting thing where Terminator 2, they decide... It turns out that it actually sent back two Terminators at the same time. The T-800 to kill Sarah Connor. And then it also sent back a prototype Terminator T-1000 to try and kill John Connor when he was young. But we're not interested in that tonight. We're interested in only the T-800 Model 101 sent to kill Sarah Connor in 1984. Which has an Austrian accent for reasons that are never quite explained. It helps it blend in. <laughs> oh, is that In why? L.A. Yes. yes. Oh, jeez. You're so cool. You're Austrian. <laughs> Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese have uh, escaped this police station massacre. They're hiding out in a seedy motel where they found a room with a kitchen, <laughs> but it only has one bed. Thankfully, things are heating up. And Kyle Reese gives her this really corny, like, I had a picture of you growing up that, you know, uh, John Connor, your son, gave to me. And I kind of looked at it every night. Mmm. Ooh. Yeah. Bound chicka wow wow. And then they build some plastic explosives. Damn. Out of mothballs. And ammonia. Yeah. And some corn syrup. And corn syrup. We could do some other stuff with that corn syrup later if you like. But mainly we're going to be making some pipe bombs. Also, the mothballs will keep your clothes moth-free. Yeah, yeah. While we make some little baby John Connors. Just Ooh. one, though. Yeah, while we're at it, let's get down and make a future savior of the human race. Ow. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Or, uh... Closed time loop, as I like to call it. Or anti-paradox. You basically create your own future like this uh, was all going to happen no matter what. What happens is basically by Skynet sending the Terminator to kill Linda Hamilton, Skynet has created its own worst enemy. Yeah, if they had never sent the Terminator back to 1984... Then John Connor would never send Kyle Reese back to 1984, and Kyle Reese never would have told Sarah Connor about the war and all the information she needed to know... In order to inspire John Connor. And therefore also bone his mama and make a little John Connor. And John Connor can later win the war. And it all just kind of is this nice little bow-on-top wrapped-up thing. Which almost never happens in movies that feature time travel. And you know what? It would have been great if we never made a sequel. But damn, I'm not mad at Terminator 2. It was a good movie. It's, I really like Terminator 2. It came out at the perfect age for me. I was a 9 or 10. I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. It's fantastic, especially if it catches you right at the right age. And it is it defined the 90s blockbuster for an entire generation. But it kind of ruins the first movie in, in its own bit. little way. So it's at this point where the movie takes a turn. Reading about this, it really seemed like James Cameron wanted to do a horror movie about a 
robot skeleton killing machine. And this is where he gets his chance. And after, there are robots. Yeah, after this motel, we have one more car chase where they try and blow up the Terminator. And they do so successfully. They blow up the truck. Well, a truck hits the Terminator after he's been chasing them on a motorcycle. He falls off. He gets hit by a semi-truck. I mean, there was some foreshadowing says, earlier yeah. in the movie where the Terminator runs over a toy truck. And then, at this point in the movie, Big Mama Truck, actual semi, smashes over the Terminator. Revenge for the toy truck. <laughs> and we get Arnold's last line in the entire movie, which is, Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. And he drives the truck after them. Cal Reese manages to slip one of his little pipe bombs up in the rear. Which is also a euphemism for what he did earlier with Sarah Connor. But in the uh, walking away from this fire explosion is the Terminator because he's not just the flesh and blood of Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's also the machine within the man. And uh, this is where we get our creepy robot skeleton chase that James Cameron always dreamed of. And the stop motion really serves to make this a lot creepier. Like, I, I just remember as a kid really having my own James Cameron nightmares about the way that thing moves in the movie. Because you're used to seeing Arnold moving in this implacable human way. And all of a sudden, here's a stop motion robot. It's pretty intense. And unfortunately... Kyle does not survive the uh, the encounter with no longer Arnold Schwarzenegger version of he the... He does get one last pipe bomb. He gets one last pipe bomb, and he whacks the thing with a uh, steel pipe a few times. Yeah. Which is funny because, you know, he was blowing the Terminator, you know, backwards with a shotgun earlier, uh, and then he whacks it with this steel pipe, and he knocks him around a little bit. It makes it seem like, oh, this thing could be, you know, smashed around a little bit. Totally contrary to when the cops were shooting at it, and it was just bounced, just like, okay, whatever. That's an enchanted steel pipe to go with the magic shotgun. Oh, it's a I plus guess. four steel pipe. There's a lot of artifacts plus in Los Angeles. Plus four against cybernetic organisms. Roll for initiative. Oh, yeah, also he, he crit. He rolled a natural 20. There's nothing you can do about that, Terminator. I'm sorry, I had to get one more TNT uh, joke in there. We'll see if we can get one more in before the end. Yeah. Uh, oh, we'll manage away. Uh, Sarah Connor, in just this completely devastated state, watching her uh, baby daddy get uh, knocked around by the Terminator, crawling through this machine factory that they had stumbled into. Yeah, it's a factory just full of machines that does what? I'm not really sure. They're just machines that move. But she manages to lure the Terminator into a giant crushing device, and then just... Presses a button and that's it. Oh, it's not. That's not just it. She gets one more badass cold line in. You're a terminated fucker. Crunch. And that's it for the Terminator. He went out yep. like a baller. Terminator, Terminator gone. Uh, never to be seen again. <laughs> it was a nice little independent film in 1984. It's a shame they never made it anymore. Ugh. Uh, no, we do get to uh, kind of really drive home just kind of how uh, how much the Skynet screwed itself by trying to kill Sarah Connor uh, before John Connor was born, where we get Sarah Connor making uh, tapes for the unborn John Connor with all the information he needs to know to beat Skynet. Tape 7, November 10. Where was I? 
What's most difficult for me is trying to decide what to tell you and what not to. But I guess I have a while yet before you're old enough to even understand these tapes. They're more for me at this point, just so that I can get it straight. And the debates. Do I tell you about your father and who he was? I don't know. We got to figure that one out. So there's there's some stuff to think about. There's a lot of cool things to think about as far as time travel goes in this movie. And for that, I thank you. So, brings up the most important question. Are you a Terminator 1 man? Are you a Terminator 2 man? Show of hands, I'm going to go with Terminator 1. Terminator 1. I'm Terminator 2. Terminator 2. All right. Team Terminator There's 2. There's no shame to being a Terminator 2 man. There really isn't. You could argue that the best two sequels to top thrillers are the sequel to Terminator and the sequel to Alien. Both are made by James Cameron. And both are straight action flicks as compared to their action-slash-thriller uh, yeah. original movies. Yep. Well, I say action-slash-thriller. Alien was a straight-up just thriller horror. Yeah. Uh, it's an Agatha Christie novel in space. With all the familiar characters. Yep. yep. All them familiar characters. Uh, getting like into... Tom Skerritt. <laughs> the <laughs> Everyone... most familiar character. <laughs> the most familiar character, of course, Tom Skerritt. Getting before we start, kind of really digging into this, I want to start off with the characters. Uh, they really kind of locked this movie down as far as the way these characters are and the way they need to be and should be. Um, Kyle Reese clearly has a lot of PTSD, and they displayed it a few times, uh, and they really set it up well, where he is just taking a quick nap uh, near a construction site, and the sound of the construction equipment triggers his PTSD. And we get to see a nice flash forward of what his life was like in the future. One of two, I believe. We also kind of get uh, Sarah Connor, who is just starts off as just uh, seemingly early 20-something, just waitress, just trying to, you know, go through her daily life. And you kind of see her uh, change as she deals with the stress of what's going on around her. And very interesting, if you are a fan of T2, you can see why she becomes the character that she is in T2. Very different character. Very self-sufficient. Very big on self-preservation. And more important on the preservation of her son. If you were to see the scooter-riding, uh, big-haired, iguana-loving character from the first scene that you see very her, comfortable. In her life. Very comfortable. Versus the badass, I wear a bandana and I ride a jeep towards the storm from the very last shot in this movie. Or the, I do pull-ups on my bed and I can pick locks, sucker. Seemingly two different characters. If you put these two shots next to each other and said, oh, these are from two different movies, I'd believe you. But then watching this movie, it's totally a smooth transition between those two characters. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's the kind of the kind of trauma that you can believe somebody would respond to in that way. And then Arnold being a robot. I mean, all you got to do is tell Arnold, Arnold, you're a robot. Can we talk about how seriously for a movie that he claimed was just a little shit movie, Arnold seemed to take his characterization? There's a few things we could talk about. What do you want to start with? Well, let's start about... Uh, and this is based on books that he's written and books that James Cameron is, and interviews and things like that. When he ha sat down with James Cameron originally to talk about the role of Kyle Reese, he started talking about 
the Terminator instead and just thoughts that he had. And he said things like, he should be able to change the magazine on a gun without looking at it. He should be so comfortable with weapons because he's not doing it. The com- Another part of his computer mind is doing it. Like he just doesn't look at his weapons when he's firing them. And it's it's kind of amazing too because I was playing Oregon Trail on a Mac at this point and you know the Mac was not capable of doing these things. So Arnold is ahead of the curve. A Mac 2E probably could have killed some people by exploding. Uh, the other things, um, he did a lot of, um, things with his uh, movement, especially how his eyes would track something before the rest of his body would follow. An economy of movement is very intrinsic into the Terminator character. And I think Arnold actually brought that to the character. Um, so those two things, definitely the demeanor, which it was just basically Arnold being Arnold. (laughs) <laughs> we saw it uh, earlier in uh, The Long Goodbye. Oh, yes, where he's very uh, very happy to take off his pants. And oh, not... yeah. <laughs> yeah. That happened. Uh, but more importantly, he is very good at standing in the background and being very intimidating, despite having a very sketchy mustache. <laughs> Did he have a stash in that? I'm pretty sure he had a sketchy mustache. Gross. It was the 70s. The other kind of indicator of... How seriously this is the Arnold third t- Arnold movie we've watched. Holy oh, shit. Damn. The other really solid indicator of uh how seriously Arnold took this movie despite kind of writing it off as just this little side thing he needs to do in between his big budget movies uh was his practice with firearms in this film. He uh reportedly went off for weeks and practiced firing weapons with both hands just so that he would not have any sort of flinching when he fired a blank or anything like that. Just so he looked like a machine holding the weapon and that he would look ambidextrous. Because, of course, why would a machine be right-handed or left-handed? And it, it succeeds. I think there's no point during this movie where you look at Arnold and think, this guy is not a gigantic metal killing machine. His handling of weapons was actually so good that a few uh, publications uh, talking regarding uh, firearms, uh, I think it was guns and ammo, but I could totally be wrong, uh, actually wrote articles saying, like, compared to other Hollywood jackasses who just look like Hollywood characters trying to handle guns, this guy friggin' nailed it. He was so uh, realistic and so comfortable that we have to give him kudos. Yeah, we, we give Arnold a lot of flack because... It seems like his acting can be one note. Um, speaking of one note, I'm always disappointed when there are Arnold movies that don't have any in them. I think we added a few to this movie. We might have. Just in our own, especially when he was getting crushed by the, uh, the I've been crushed. But, I mean, he's a guy who, even if he has certain limitations, he clearly is putting in the work. Arnold Schwarzenegger was actually one of several choices for this film. And that's one of the things we need to definitely talk about because one of them, it, it's it's just hilarious. Yes. It's gone down in Hollywood infamy at this point, the reasoning why this particular person didn't Yeah, end up... there are two given reasons. One which I think has kind of been perpetuated recently by the internet as kind of a joke. but It's still funny as it's all hell. We need to talk about hell. it. One of the original people slated to play the Terminator was Steve Buscemi. 
Oh God, that would have been fantastic. Speaking of loved that. people who could just move in a crowd, they would have been like, "Who's that weird guy with the eyes?" But he would have probably acted the hell out of the role. But sadly, we're talking about the studio wanted to cast O.J. Simpson as the Terminator originally, and the urban legend goes that James Cameron said, "No one's going to buy that guy as a killer." Yeah, so... Um... In in reality, what I've heard James Cameron say, and maybe it's more after the fact, is he said, I don't know, the idea of a black guy hunting down a white woman, especially in 1984, mm. didn't seem like that good an idea to me. And then 10 years later... Uh, boom, boom, boom. Bum, bum, bum. Womp, womp. Uh, there's actually only one black actor in this whole film. Uh, Paul Winfield, who plays what was the, his Lieutenant Traxel? Lute- I know that Dave knew that Lieutenant Ed Traxel. It's very comfortable, and uh, he's he's kind of the guy who you look at and you say like, I'd watch more of this guy. Yeah, and we have watched more of him. But the only thing I know he's been in a ton of stuff. But the I look at him and the only thing I can see is him screaming in pain. Because there's a worm working his way into his ear in Wrath of Khan and then turning a phaser on himself. Their young enter through the ears and wrap themselves around the cerebral cortex. Uh, This has the effect of rendering the victim extremely susceptible to uh, suggestion. Uh, yeah. Uh, But, I mean, spin-off showcase nominee, uh, Lieutenant Traxel. I Do we have that. anyone else? Him and Lance Henriksen, whatever Lance Henriksen's. I, I like to think his name was Detective Lance Henriksen. I mean, I would totally watch a movie where they have to, maybe after having to deal, maybe they both somehow survived their multiple bullet wounds from the uh, uh, Terminator attack on the police station. And then they retire to Boca Raton, Florida, and then they are... Solve cybercrimes. Solve cybercrimes. No, no, no. See, this is more of the uh, Sarah, they like. I want them to reappear as characters in the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Remember this thing? Something I have not seen, but I've heard very good things about. I've seen like one episode. I, 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 I think it, maybe it was a. Uh, it was it was supposed to be like the in between, of. Um... As I understand it, and I might be speaking out of turn because I haven't seen the show. It has a very interesting concept of how the time travel works. I believe its basic premise was every time you travel back in time, you create a new time stream. And oh, okay, that's so they are currently living in one time stream, and they are dealing with the fallout from people traveling from other time streams constantly. That actually jives with my theory on how time travel would work. So I'm gonna go with that. But I, I would totally want to see these guys reappear as like expert robot hunters slash LA detectives, Traxler and Henriksen. I like and it. And then it turns out that Henriksen is actually Bishop from Aliens. <laughs> and he's been an a-, a robot the whole time. We have a crisis of faith. I love it. So it's Blade Runner. Like tears in rain. Oh, like tears in rain. Should I bring up my idea for another podcast? <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, just because we brought up Blade Runner. I, If someone would like to see this, send us an email at... Uh, out of sync podcast at gmail.com or catch us at shellback media on, on Twitter. I'd love to do a podcast that was just going movie by movie in the Rutger Hauer filmography. 
and it would be called How Are You Doing? <laughs> no! How many movies is that? 150! He has made over 150 films. 148 of them are masterpieces, and the other two are Blade Runner. <laughs> Regular cut and director's cut. So I've got another uh, thing that I came up with recently. What's this? I call it Sober Notes, and I took some notes while I was sober, hang on. Ahead of time. Before you get into this. All right, go ahead. In case you're curious, Steve is pouring himself another drink, which is foaming up, and he has to drink it really quick before it escapes the glass. I did not Nailed finish it. one of my beers, and I'm very excited to find this out. Nailed it. Ooh. All right, sober notes. Sober notes. One of the things that I wrote in my sober notes was about the outer limits. Ooh, I don't know if you noticed while watching the credits, but the first credit that comes up is something along the lines of based upon the works of Harlan Ellison. Uh, to be fair, I rarely pay attention to the credits in any of the movies that we've covered. Well then, you are going to learn something right now. So Harlan Ellison, who is everyone's favorite curmudgeon, watched the Terminator and thought, wow, this is great. It's exactly like a story that I wrote back in the 60s. And he sued Orion Pictures so hard that they had to put a credit on, on the film. Harlan Ellison wrote two stories for The Outer Limits in the 60s, one called Soldier, which is based on a short story called, uh, I believe, Soldier from Tomorrow, hmm. and then another one called Demon with a Glass Hand. And he looked at the Terminator and decided, these are very similar to these stories that I wrote. And that would have gone just fine. Except in an interview, James Cameron, when talking about his inspiration, said, yeah, I got a whole lot of inspiration. It was a dream I had. Also, it was a couple episodes at the Outer Limits. Boom. Done. Done. Uh, there's a gag order on exactly what happened during the trial. But Harlan Ellison has been given some sort of monetary compensation for it. And his name is now at the end of the film. And Soldier, I have not seen, but I did look up a few clips of. And it's about a soldier from a future war who is sent back in time accidentally. And has to assimilate into modern day, that being 1964 time. And learns to love a family he lives with. And then a second warrior from the future shows up, and he has to sacrifice his life to protect this family that he's learned to love. I do not see any similarities. Oh, none no, at all. None at all. No. Including there's an entire scene where a person explains, oh, he knows nothing of fear or love or pain. He only knows killing. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse, or fear, and it absolutely will not stop, ever, until you are dead. Still don't see anything. Yeah, no, I don't see any nope, parallels. Nope, nothing at nope, all. Nope. And then the second story is called Demon with a Glass Hand, and it's about a man who is sent back from the future, and where humanity has been destroyed, in this case by an alien race, and they are chasing him because he holds 
some secret to winning the war. Oh. Yeah, I have no idea why they thought nope. that had anything to do with the Terminator. And they just happened to be both written by the same guy. Yeah, it just happened to be written by one guy who is incredibly angry at everybody all the time and has n- apparently a lot of lawyers at his disposal. Whoops. This is the one thing, because we mentioned earlier, Terminator, not a huge budget. Six million dollars. But holy crap, did they make that back? No one believed it, but it made a whole lot of money. Eighty million dollars. That's not bad for 1984. For a six million dollar budget? Yeah. Damn. With clearly no advertising budget. Because no one believed in this damn movie. They had to fight tooth and nail to get it produced, to get it greenlit. Uh, They had to fight for all of the people that they wanted to cast in it. Uh, The actors were just kind of like, yeah, I guess it's just some little fun movie we're going to do. Some little horror flick. And now it's one of the most iconic movies of all time. Hey! So, Terminator. Recommendations? Yay? Nay? Yay. Yay. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Yeah. Silent Partner. Watch the goddamn Terminator. Are you kidding me? Silent Partner. How do you feel about Terminator? Thumbs up? Thumbs down? Thumbs up. And how many words did he end up having? 72. 72 words Thank you for keeping track of that. And that's why we have her around. Also because I love her. But mainly because, you know. She's good at keeping track of things. Special moments. Yeah. The wives and such are over there. (laughs) In some nebulous other realm. You could probably hear them in the background of the entire podcast. If you're listening really closely and if you are, there's something wrong with you. Also, you have some nice headphones. Nice, nice, dude. Good choice. Movies you would recommend for people that liked The Terminator. Most of mine are time travel before we, but you, you, you guys go ahead, but Dave, I was going to say the Mandy Moore, uh, a walk to remember, but I'm not sure I get the <laughs> title right. And it's also dumb. So I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know why I did that. Well, obviously uh, T2 judgment day, which I believe is the official title of the second Terminator movie. Uh, if we're going to talk about Terminator spinoffs and sequels, T3, I mean, it's, it's dumb. It's got a great ending, but it's not a very good movie. It has a great commentary track, and you can look up some of that on YouTube. Just give us give us a little uh, give us some. Oh yes, there's, so there's a scene where the Terminator makes the Terminatrix, as she is called, and I forget her exact model number. But there's a female Terminator in Terminator Three. She makes her breast expand. And Arnold Schwarzenegger in the commentary says, we had so many women who are like, how did you do that? I want to do that. But in the audience, there was this uh, kind of like immediately you saw women sitting there telling each other, this is, oh, that's a great idea. You have to check out where, the, where you get that done. Because there's some guys that like little breasts and there's some guys that like big breasts. So it wouldn't it be nice if you can play both sides? Uh, and there are other, also other spots where he punches the woman and he says, we, it's okay to punch her because we know she's a killing machine now. It's not okay to punch women otherwise. <laughs> if you've never experienced an Arnold Schwarzenegger commentary track, stop or, stop listening right now. I don't care if you're in a car. Stop listening, pull over, pull up YouTube, and just look up some commentary tracks. Arnold Schwarzenegger does not seem to remember ever making movies, so he just describes what is going on on screen 
And it's amazing. And here's the part where I was a kindergarten cop. There were kids, and I was a teacher. And you see, that's weird because I was actually a cop. All right. Uh, for me, I got to talk about time travel because I love me some time travel movies. Uh, it's one of my favorite things in film is when we get to talk about the rules of time travel. Uh, so in t- uh, in Terminator, we have the uh, closed loop, the uh, self fulfilling prophecy, uh, and we get to we get to explore what that means when we're dealing with this set of rules in time travel. Uh, another movie that deals with this really well and never actually but doesn't spell it out as well, Donnie Darko. I know a lot of people are mm. they don't like this theatrical or director's cut. Theatrical. Okay, because director's cut. This is one. Donnie Darko is one of the few movies where the director's cut is much worse than the theatrical cut. Yeah, the theatrical cut is legitimately one of my favorite movies, and I'm not ashamed to admit that. But this is one of those where um, it kind of needs you. You need to take a step back, and you need to figure out what happened in order to realize that it is working with the same set of rules as the Terminator. Yeah, closed time loop. Then the other movies that get to explore kind of the bullshit that it is uh, time travel and uh, really have some fun with it. Uh, Deja Vu is another one. That's one that's a little more off the beaten path. Not necessarily a great movie. I don't know. I thought for a second you were going to go with The Lake House. Fuck yourself. (laughs) Uh, Oh, shit. Is that a closed loop? No, it's not. No, that is not. No, because they change the future. They do change the future in that. God damn it. I'm ashamed that I know that. Um... No, I'm going to go that I did know that. I'm going to go with Deja Vu because um it plays with um it's a closed loop in one timeline, but in another timeline it creates a uh a different ending and basically we have branching timelines in this world. And the branching timeline things brings me into my third thing that I want to talk about. If... Primer. No. Oh, okay. Oh, Primer's a good one though. It, talking about timelines that are so complicated you need the chart. And once you make the chart, you realize, I'm more confused by this chart than I was by the movie. No. Continue. Uh, Your no, third movie. My third movie uh, that is fun and exploring um, the way that time travel works, uh, especially with the branching timeline theory, is another Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Ooh, which, source code. Source code. Gotcha. Thank you. Uh, which really has some fun with uh, the branching timelines theory. Also, Jake Gyllenhaal is a handsome fellow, so highly recommend it. There is that. Yeah. Also, Michelle Monaghan. I have kind of a huge crush on her. As the only single person in this group, you're allowed to say that. Hey! All you want. I-, I can talk about how handsome men are all I want. Oh, yeah. So I will. <laughs> oh, Michael Bean. Yeah, show me those teeth. Bean teeth. Oh, man. Um, do we have anything else to comment on Terminator before we let the audience Ooh, go? I think you should. Once again, I'm going to assume you've seen this movie. If you haven't, really weird podcast for you to have chosen tonight to listen to but if you haven't go see it if you haven't seen it in a while it's worth revisiting uh we've given you a couple other movies to check out but in the meantime check us out subscribe to us on whatever you choose to subscribe to on podcast with give us a nice little review so i've been jonathan leduc i'm dave choate through bean teeth (laughs) I'm Steve Shannon. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Please drink cinematically. It's very comfortable.